<laughs> Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah? Okay. Oh, breaking things. All right, Matthew 9. Pick up in verse 14. Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast. We'll flip over to John 15. We'll pick up in verse 11. I have told you this so that you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You do not choose me, I, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Father, I thank you for those good words, Lord, that's in your word, Father, encourages us. It lets us know, it reveals part of your heart towards us, Father. And I love it when you do that, Lord. You're not just some far-off God that's um, so difficult to attain and, and maybe you just somehow extend your mercies once in a while when we're on good behavior. I thank you, Father, that you reveal your heart of goodness and love towards us, Father, and I pray that we'd be able to grasp it and get a hold of that. Whatever blockages that may be in people's minds and hearts to where it's difficult for them to receive your heart of love and compassion and goodness towards them. We just pray for a break on those blockages. And just for a break against those bondages and those mindsets that make it difficult to receive your heart of goodness and love towards us. Life has told us some things and we've experienced some things, Lord. But we want your truth of love, goodness, and grace to be the shining mark and narrative in our lives and in our hearts. So, Spirit of Truth, just release those things upon us. May it do its transforming work so we become it and bring it to other people. We love you and we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this is going to be our... uh, This will probably be our last Sunday. Oh, my kids drank all my water. Come on. (laughs) Jaren, go have some water, Dada. Goodbye. All right. (laughs) Kids show up, take everything. Um, So this is probably the last week that we'll talk about fasting, okay? And um, there was just, there's one other thing I just, I don't know, felt compelled in my heart. Just uh, been rising up a lot of, I don't know about you, but during the fast, well, I do know a little bit. I've, heard, I've had a lot of text messages, a lot of emails, a lot of communication to me just saying that the Lord has been stirring really good things in people's hearts during the fast. So to me, that's awesome. That's exciting. That's very good. It's very healthy. Um, there's been great details also that people have been talking about. It's just all really good. So 
that's just, to me, that's just the best. Because, and the reason why is that um, there's, there's just this spirit of, we talked about hunger in the beginning, there's this spirit of hunger that's just resonating on so many of you, and you're just, you're looking to engage with your father more, learn more about his heart, so you can go further with him. And that, thank you. And that... Like a shepherd's heart and just wanting to see people excel and go further and go deeper with the God who created them <laughs> that is just the best so um, some of what we're going to talk about this morning and some of what has already been said is going to filter through this message and um, I think this will probably be the last time we talk about fasting and next week we'll talk about some other stuff but um, please continue I wanted to also say, please continue to, um, uh, you know, post things on Facebook. If God's putting things on your heart and you're journaling, you're writing things down, sounds like an awesome blog post. I'd love to read about it. You know, submit those things too. Like, find avenues and outlets. So we can also, like, experience with what God is doing in your heart and in your life. And there's some things that are just private for you and God that it just stays there. And then don't do it with that stuff. But there might be some things that you might just want to share and just encourage other people with. Or maybe that's challenging you, that you want to also share with other people. Because you don't only share things like that you have right, or that you got it all figured out. That's such a, that's such a huge mistake. It's like the kids in class, you know, when we're at school, and like I ask kids to go to the board and, and work out problems, and uh, they have no interest going to the board if they don't have the right answer with all the right steps. There you go, Mr. Mr. We'll take a look at my work first. Man, just go to the, like, just go to the board. We'll figure it out when we get there. I don't want to put something wrong up there. And typically what I tell them is, I tell them, listen, this is a learning environment. It's not a knowing environment. So learning about, we learn and we develop and we grow together. And that same kind of principle also transfers into the Christian life. So you don't only have something to offer when you feel like you have it all figured out or you have supreme victory in that area. Just share and be vocal about what the Lord is doing and where you're currently at. Might not have it all figured out. Might not even come out exactly perfect. Still might need some tweaking. But it's important that we share, we vocalize the good things that God is doing in our life. And it's also very important that we don't have somewhere in our mind that, oh man, I can only um, share and talk about and be used by God when I have this whole thing all figured out. So, this week, partnership. I say partnership. Partnership. That has been a word and a, I want, I want to say, a biblical principle that has affected my heart in the past, I would say, maybe two to four years. Probably more than anything else. There's been a few other high things top of my list, but that's, that's definitely a high one, is this idea of partnership and what God, how He views us, how He sees us as sons and daughters. There's a significant element of partnership. There's also the element of our children, you know, a child-father type of relationship. There also is, absolutely, He's our Savior, Lord and King. No doubt about that. There's also this idea of partnership, though. And when we dig a little deeper and we look at this idea of partnership, what we start to see is we start to see a little bit more clearly this amazing heart of love and goodness. And that, that is where the Spirit wants to bring us. Because that's what He created us to know, to better understand, to walk in confidence in. 
that there truly is a good God that loves us. And he's better than we think. His intentions towards us are so good. Even, even if life around us might look contrary to that, might feel contrary to that. That's why I love that Promises song. And I would say, kind of a, an enemy or a culprit, at least a stumbling block to this idea of partnership, is something that we talked about on Wednesday night at prayer meeting. There's a certain idea of thought process that is good for a particular season of life, and it has, um, there's certainly some nobleness to it, but if we stay in that long enough, it actually hurts us more than it helps us. It's this idea of, well, if it's God's will, then it'll just happen. If it's God's will, it'll just happen. And I want to say that I've come to find out, personally, and just see so many times that a heart that says that, it's in a good place. Number one, they trust in God, so that's good. They understand His sovereignty, so that's good. But part of the piece that they're missing is this idea of partnership and this idea of personal responsibility that the Lord has given us. Because it's not exactly true that all the things that God wants to have happen, it always plays out that way. There are plenty of things on this planet that happened and have been happening for thousands of years that he never had in his heart of hearts. He never had for extreme oppression to happen to people. Cruelty and injustice. Discrimination. Slavery. Like, these are not things of his heart, not his nature. Diseases. Right? Like, sickness, abuse. All These are not from his heart. They're not from the throne room of, of heaven. But they exist on this planet. And it's a reality. And for some of us, it's a personal reality because it's happened to us. And it's in and around our lives. And so the difficulty is coming to terms with that. <clears throat> the reality is there is evil for sure. And it's really difficult to have worship and to have love if, if there's no other option. Like, if I told my kids, listen, <laughs> I, Julie and I, we created you so you would never have the possibility to choose something other than loving and responding to us perfectly all the time. We've created you. One, you la they laugh, right? They'll laugh, and as they get older, they'll definitely laugh. And then two, what does that... If they show us, now, now you can't even call that love if they respond because it's something like we manipulated and created. Like, what is that called when they respond? Well, that's them just doing what they're supposed to do because they don't even have another choice. <clears throat> God has created us to be in fellowship and worship and a love relationship with Him. And when, when that is rejected and said no to, or distorted, evil abounds. Evil things can happen. 
But the amazingly good news is that God the Father, the Holy Spirit, is an expert at taking, allowing evil to happen, and taking that and turning that into something extremely redemptive. So that what the Bible says is that he takes, be- he takes beauty from ashes. And it doesn't mean that the circumstances or the pain or the situations that we feel didn't happen. It doesn't mean that they don't hurt. It doesn't mean that there doesn't need to be healing that needs to happen there. It doesn't mean that other people need to help us to come alongside to get to the redemptive work that the Lord wants to do. But I promise you there's an amazing good work that he already had in store, in plan, redemptive before the evil even occurred. Because he's always been like that. And so this this idea of, well, it'll just, it just if God wants it to just happen, it'll just happen. <clears throat> Typically when we just come alongside the Father and we say yes to him, we kind of respond that way. And I don't think that's a bad thing. We're acknowledging Him. We're acknowledging His sovereignty. But as we start to grow in relationship with God, He starts to make it very clear that not everything that He wants to have happen just happens. And He's looking for our partnership. Through His leading, through His direction, and through His empowering to actually see things happen and take place. He's looking for our partnership to have that happen. And there are lives that experience a relationship with God. They call Jesus their Savior. But they don't live into the fullness. Everybody say fullness. Into the fullness of that relationship. It's just been reduced down to I believe in Jesus because He's my Savior and I did say a prayer one day so I'm good. And pretty much mentally assent to him, and like we do, for the most part, the things you're supposed to do, like go to church and be around the right people, and like give some money, and like and we do some of that stuff. And I'm not taking shots at doing any of those. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the partnership, if we agree to it and we embrace the process of what he wants to do, opens up a life of more fullness and a life and a more abundant life, as Jesus described it. Do you hear what I'm saying? And too often, like, we can fall into the trap, and I've done it too, where you just say, well, nothing has just really quite happened, so it just might be God's will to be that way. I just, I challenge that. I say, really, I don't know. You think? Like, let's think about it. Let's fast. Let's pray on that. Are you sure that's the Lord's heart on this? Or is it just because you're extremely disappointed and discouraged and you don't want to move forward anymore? Because this partnership is an amazing thing. And it opens up doors and takes us places and releases things from heaven in a way like nothing else will. And so it's, it's really the greatest privilege that we get to carry in relationship with the Lord. And I just wanted to share about the idea of it during this fast time because fasting helps to gain clarity 
helps to us to better understand our position of who we are and who God is and where He's calling us to partner with Him in significant ways in our lives. Fasting helps do that. It helps makes our senses more keenly aware of what He's saying, where He's moving, what He's doing. So in this Matthew passage, chapter 9, verse 14, Here's what they said to him. And who's the they? Verse 14. John's disciples. So that's John the Baptist. His own disciples, right? His crew that he was with. And John the Baptist prepared the way of the Lord. That was his job. That was his calling from Isaiah. That was his job. Was to be a forerunner. Let everybody know, prepare everybody for the Jesus that was going to show up. So that was a calling on his life. So his disciples, and they were, may or may not have been sent by John the Baptist himself, came and asked Jesus, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? They're saying, hey, listen, how come myself, John the Baptist, the people that set up the way for you, we practice a lifestyle of fasting? It says it in the law. Moses prescribed it. The Pharisees themselves, who don't even believe in us and want to go the same way as us, they fast two times a week. How come you're not doing it? How come you guys are eating all the time? It's having a great time. Why are things so loose with you? Loosey-goosey. Why is that? Why, why, why do you guys get to eat and we're like killing ourselves over here? They're not understanding. It doesn't make sense. Jesus has like this different message, this different way of carrying himself. He's not exactly following all of what's prescribed in the law. What's going on? That's a, that's a good question, right? Verse 15, Jesus answered. Interesting response. How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? Jesus is like, you know, he's just like known for asking questions to another question. When you're around people like that in life, it's kind of annoying, actually. It's like, just give me an answer. Like, why? why? Play games. They're like, why are you fisting? And he's like, well, what about the guests of the bridegroom? Why would they mourn? You're like, you're getting married? Who are you marrying? Who is the girl? When is that happening? This is like strange language. And I draw your attention to this because sometimes it's referred to as a bridegroom fast. There's different types of fasting through the Bible. Fasting for protection, fasting for provision, um, fasting for choices. Uh, There's lots of different situations where fasting was utilized and used. And this one in the New Testament is interesting. It's the first time it ever happens throughout the entire scriptures that now you have this different type of fast towards with this term of bridegroom over it. Which we're going to talk more about as we read it. So he's like, yeah, why would we fast when the bridegroom is here? Then he says this. Right, he says, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he's with them? Then he says, the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them 
then they will fast. Like, what do you mean when you go on your honeymoon? Like, what are you... You mean when, when the bridegroom... So you're a bridegroom and you're getting married, then you're leaving. And then he says something to just clear everything up. No one sews a patch of unshrunk garment. So the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Well, that just... Hey, thanks you, Jesus. Thank you for making it clear as mud for all of us. Verse 17, Neither do men pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. <laughs> wow, isn't that lovely? So, what is the idea? What is he saying? <clears throat> He's saying he's the bridegroom a while that he, he is here. There's not a time to fast. But soon he will leave and be taken from them. He's referring to him going on the cross and dying for our sins. That's what he's talking about. And he's saying when that happens, and ultimately when he leaves the earth, there's going to be times of fasting. But why? How come? What are we talking about? Why is this unique? This is interesting and unique because... Jesus will be walking with people, talking with people. I mean, just having conversation. Just going back and forth. Just asking them all kinds of... Just doing life with them. That's a tremendous amount of intimacy, yes? What a privilege. Like, what an honor. It's amazing. And he's saying, hey, listen, it's not going to be like this forever. I'm not always going to be around my people to where we can just communicate like this. This is coming to an end. And so while we are in this season of the bridegroom being here, and while we are in this season of, everybody say fulfilling. Fulfilling the law. Remember I said that they were fasting because of what was prescribed in the law by Moses and that was given to them? Well, he's fulfilling the law. He's not changing it up. He's, he is like the total fulfillment of the law. And he can make changes and do whatever he chooses to do. So he's fulfilling this. And listen, I'm the fulfillment of it. I am here right now. We need to enjoy this time. This is going to be short-lived. And on the entire spectrum of history, this is a little piece. We're not really fasting right now. It's not the time for it. There will be a time. Well, what would be the reason to fast later? Here's what would be the reason for us now. This is where we come in. The reason to fast later is because the Holy... Jesus has left, right? The Holy Spirit has come and indwelt and lives inside each and every person that calls Him Savior and Lord. And it's not always easy to have close intimacy, strong fellowship, confident understanding of what that spirit inside of us is saying and doing and leading in God. It just gets difficult. There's distraction. There's laziness. There's procrastination. There's another voice of the devil that wants our attention, that creates scenarios. And so when we want that closeness and that intimacy, like a bridegroom, Jesus himself being there, we need to fast. There's a fast set in place. 
Fasting helps us develop and cultivate His voice in our lives. So it's almost like Jesus Himself is with us, fellowshipping with us. Does that make sense? It's a bridegroom fast. We're all the bride. We are. I mean, I'm not wearing a dress, but we are. And the Holy Spirit is doing a significant work in His bride. This is just a small piece of it. His bride globally to where the Spirit is making the bride beautiful for Jesus Christ Himself. So when He comes back, that is my bride. Now our brides are on their wedding day. They want to look the best that they can possibly look offer the best that they can possibly offer. And the spirit of truth is doing that throughout the globe to prepare his people so that they're beautiful, they're walking in purity, they're walking in power, they're walking in conviction, and they're walking in intimacy. And that's like with this idea. So when you hear this term, you might hear once in a while, bridegroom fast. That's what we're talking about. It's a fast that's specifically designated towards growing closer to the heart of God. And much of the purpose of our fast is really for those intentions. You might have other personal intentions too that you really, maybe you have a significant decision coming up. Maybe there's people in your life that you're fasting about. I don't know. It, it might be any kind of thing. And you should still fast for those things. We still should. It's all throughout the Bible. Jesus himself, he fasted before he even chose his disciples. Forty days, wilderness, by himself. You know who led him out there, by the way? The Spirit led him out there. He led him by himself. The devil came and tempted him during the fast, during the fast. The Spirit took him away. It created an opportunity for the devil to come in and try and take him another direction. And of course the devil didn't come on day two, or day one, or day three. He came on the last day, the 40th day of no food, no eating, no drink. When he's already shot. When you think you're going to get your big breakthrough, then the devil shows up then. Trying to hijack everything. And then if he can get you, he can shame you that you were... You were all BS the whole time. Do you see how he operates and works and what a liar he is? Ah. And so, it's in God's heart that he's created. I don't know why he's done it this way, but why is, he, why is food and like fasting so closely related to hearing his voice? It, I don't know. It's, just, it's interesting. It's an interesting dynamic. But we see it all through the Bible. That when we just take ourselves, we move ourselves away from things um, that we're hungry for, that we have strong appetites towards, and we suppress those and we say no to that, and we decide to fill it instead with His voice and His presence and just surround ourselves with Himself or just sit in silence or just position ourselves just to listen. He speaks and intimacy has grown. Even if it's just silent and you don't hear anything, at least time was given and we, and we formed, like, and we shaped something in ourselves to put ourselves in the place to regularly just 
hear from Him. We're disciplining our flesh in a very healthy and good way. The bridegroom fast. It's about intimacy. Because it's about partnership. John, go to John. 15? Verse 11. Oh, and you know what? Before we do that, I'm sorry. I wanted to bring some clarity on that whole wineskin thing. And That just seems like an odd moment to talk about wine and wineskins, doesn't it? I'm always reading that and be like, what? Why do you do... Just be clear, Jesus. Why do you do these things? Just talk clearly. What kind of communication school did you go to? Like, that's not... Why? It just seems like an odd time to be talking about fasting and the bridegroom goes away. And then he says, well, it's like sewing a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do men pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins so they're both preserved. This seems like an odd spot to mention that. But here's really what his intention is behind that. His intention behind that is saying, hey, listen, there is a new paradigm, a new system in place. There is a new covenant. Remember Jesus said, this is now a new covenant, which we're going to do during communion. New covenant I've given to you. It's a new covenant. It's a new paradigm. So yes, maybe in the past through Moses, there was a certain way to fast and there were certain things to follow. But Jesus says things are changing now. And if you're fasting just to be religiously ritualistic, you are missing it. This fast now is about to align yourself with my heart. To grow in relationship with me. This relationship was never available like it's going to be. So listen, you can't force an old way of being extremely religious and ritualistic and absent of Jesus Christ and what he has paid. You can't force that into then what Jesus has done, how he's embodied God, how he's paid for sins and then sent the Holy Spirit. You you can't, we're not called to go back and live out of the Torah and the 600-whatever laws in different ways that God asked them to live. That time is over. It's over. We're called to live in relationship and freedom and in confidence with who He is and now in partnership. That's a completely foreign concept. So hopefully that makes a little more sense. And I don't think also, before we read that John 1, Jesus says when you fast, when you fast. Let me say when. Yeah, that's not an if. Like, that's not. There is supposed to be a lifestyle of fasting. And it's probably not the best to have 
sort of a fasting way of life fall into 21 days or 40 days or these big chunks of just lengths of fasting. It's probably healthier every week, every couple of weeks. This is my day of fasting. Or these are my two days. Or whatever. Because what you do is you add up a lot of little days of surrender to where you're normally accustomed to it. You understand that it's coming. It's already a part of your lifestyle. And it's easier to grow and accelerate that way. Just like you're not going to go to the gym after you haven't been there for a long time and just rack up the bench press or the leg press and see you in three weeks. That's just, that's not how you build or grow. It doesn't make sense. And, and faith is very similar to that. Where you need to like grow that muscle appropriately. And I mean, even as, you know, as we grow as a church, I mean, it, it definitely will be a thing, you know. Let's say we have a staff in the future and we do different things. It will definitely be, hey, listen, like one day during a week, this is our fast day. And that'll just be like what we do, you know, like to help model that, to help just be in that place. It's just healthy, it's right, and it's good. There's a tremendous amount of value for just regularly knowing, okay, like this is my time of like abstaining so I can just listen. Instead of, okay, when's our church doing it? Okay, next January? Okay, okay. <laughs> like we're missing it, Don. We're missing it. Okay. So now, John 15. Verse 11. I have told you this. Jesus is talking. So that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one in this that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. That's... Wow. Wow. To, to be called, like we're sons and daughters, but also he wants to like engage in this sort of friends and like partnership. Like this is just a different realm and dynamic. Where I am God and you're just my lowly servant. And I just, you do my bidding sometimes once in a while. It's like this is it's so different. He says, you're my friends if you do what I command, right? If you're faithful. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. That is just powerful. I mean, that's like... That's like if our family or your family, you had a business and you had children, and you're trying to groom them and prepare them for that business. You, learned, you, you spent your life growing it and investing into it, and then your strategy is to keep them around it, have them have conversations with the coworkers, have them look at the books and how accounting works, have them see how supplies come in, what an audit is. You're, you're just teaching them about all of it. You're sharing with them everything that you know, so that way you can hand the business off to them and see them take it further and farther than you could have ever imagined. Do you understand? That's like what the Father is looking to do with us. 
to partner. And the Spirit of Truth is looking to unveil and tell us what heaven is like and how heaven operates and what's going on in the heavenlies. And he's saying, hey, listen, who is faithful? Who desires? Who's hungry for my heart? Because I will share that with them. And then I'll start to understand how this economy works and what happens, and I'll entrust more to them. And they will experience my heart. They're going to start to understand who I am. That is a beautiful partnership. And that's just done in all the right ways. It's just pure. It's just from love. And he wants to pour that out and give that to us. And he's just calling for us. Hey, be faithful to what I've called you to. To the best of your ability, just be faithful. Follow me. Seek me. When you're feeling dry, when you're feeling stale, when I feel far, fast and pray. I'm I'm near. I'm close. I promise you. And I'm speaking. Fast and pray for a time. Until you feel like you've connected and you've heard my voice. Go off the fast. Or something's shaking out in life and you're not quite sure what direction to go. Fast and pray. Get close to my heart. I'll speak to you. I promise. And we're supposed to be a people that just, we grow in an understanding of when it's time to fast and how to fast. Most times when Christians enter into a fast, well, how long, Lord? I don't know. You don't get a timeline, typically. What do you mean? What am I supposed to eat? What am I supposed to do? Like, how do I... Ah... Like we get hung up on such the details and the formula of it. And God said, listen, we're partners. I'm your heavenly father. How about we go as long as and we go as deep as until you hear my voice until you feel like we can move forward. Until then, just wait in intimacy with me. Well, decisions have to be made and we have to do this and we have to do that. Well... Whatever you can do to delay or not make them, then don't do it. It's a beautiful partnership. It really is. Verse 16, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Who appointed us? Right? Jesus appointed us to go and bear fruit. So, if He's telling us to pray, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, if he's telling us for fruit to abound, if he's telling us to go therefore, make disciples, baptize them in Father, Son, Holy Spirit, if he's looking for his church to walk in power and purity, guess whose responsibility it is to help make sure that manifests and happens and take place? Guess who's responsible for making his name great? And for living a life that reflects what God can do. Not just the pastor. Not just worship leaders. Not just missionaries. It's everybody that claims to be in relationship with Him. He's saying, listen, I'm looking to display my heart and my glory on this planet. And I will do it with the ones that are close to my heart. They can be trusted. Because I own everything. And I want to release a lot. And some people, they just can't be trusted the weight of the glory and of what God will give and what He wants to pour out will just crush them. They'll start to find their identity there. They'll, they'll, they'll get caught up in just people seeing them. They'll, they'll have character flaws. Their integrity's not good. And we see people fall all the time. 
Christians and non-Christians. And God is looking to pour out significant amounts of His heart and what heaven wants to do on those that are faithful. And so we live in this tension. I'm closing with this idea. When's He stopping? I'm stopping. And we live in this tension. I think there's a reality to where we live in a place to where we are extremely grateful and thankful for what the Lord has done and what He's done. We are called to live there. The Bible's so clear on that. And everything gives thanks. Always, all the time. It has to be a mark in our lives. And if it's not, we have to continue to bring our hearts before the Lord and say, Lord, you said our hearts should reflect that and mine does not. Keep working on me, Father. Keep working. And He's going to do it. And we're going to rise in thankfulness. And pretty soon we'll just say, it won't be conceded. You can just say, you know what, honestly, I just walk in so much grateful. Like, I'm just so grateful. I just, you want to pray with me? Like, somebody's struggling with that? I'll help you be grateful. Like, we'll just pray on that together. But I'll tell you this. I do not want to stay where I am at in my relationship with God. I don't want to stay here. I'm not interested in being in the same place three years from now. Not interested. I don't want to stay here. I am hungry for further, for deeper, for closer intimacy. To realize more of His heart. To have more of heaven flow through my life. So we live in this tension of thankfulness, but yet a desperation and a hunger for more. That's healthy. That's good. It's the way the economy is. And we're called to live there. We're called to be there. And he gives us a balance to it. But that's where we're at. That's where we're at. So I hope that we take advantage. I hope that we take advantage of bridegroom fast, man. He's just, he's just so much better than we think. And if that captures us and gets a hold of our hearts and our lives, it, it just changes so many things about us. It makes us just light and easy and freer in His presence when we feel like we're not going to lose more than we're going to gain. We're not going to lose. He comes in with Jesus. Isn't that great? Alright. Let's do communion. Let's pass this stuff out. He comes in time for communion. Don't you love it? Just in time for fast food. I know it's bad. I know. I know. I know. I'm okay with the badness. So as we're passing the elements out, I want to pray to the Lord and thank Him and tell Him that we're hungry for more. Father, I thank You, Lord, 
for your heart of love and partnership towards us, God. It's an amazing concept that you want to that you have a will, that you have a purpose for people on this globe, for this entire earth. And you're looking to carry it out through those that are faithful. You have not chosen to, in your own way, control every single detail to make sure that it all happens the way that you want. Sometimes, Father, you just, you just pull a trump card and you do what you want and make moves in your own way. But much of your purposes, Lord, you're looking for us to partner and come in agreement and seek your heart. And I pray, Father, that we would be encouraged by that reality and that we'd be sobered by it as well. We carry a tremendous privilege and a tremendous opportunity. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just communicate more of that reality to each and every person in our church family. I pray, Lord, that when we leave here on Sundays and we go through our week, we are partnering well. Father, we're seeking your voice and your face, Lord, and we're experiencing your heart and we're giving it to those around us because we know we can give away freely because you will fill up, Father. We don't have to keep it to ourselves. We can give away, Lord. We can give away emotions. We can give away uh, ears to listen. We can give away our time. We can offer away new knowledge we just learned. People aren't threats to us, Lord. People are not threats. I thank you that you're changing us, Father, and you're teaching us and showing us more about your heart. We thank you, Father. And for those that struggle to see your good heart of love come through, break into their hearts, show them visions, speak to them in their dreams, surround their lives with people that love you so they can be around truth. And sometimes, Lord, the only way you get our attention is you just take away everything. And that's not the worst thing. It's actually the most freeing and it sets us up for the most success. I thank you that there's always hope, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. says, while they're eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to the disciples, saying, take and eat, this is my body, and so we take and we eat. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So we take and we drink.
So we're going to sing that promises song one last time, and then we're going to we're going to head out. Okay. So Steve, you could play that. We're going to sing that together. 